Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata, a schema therapy podcast for therapists. With ISST accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com. Hello and welcome to What's the Schemata, the world's greatest ever schema podcast i think it's the only schema podcast but i'm here with the samurai of the schema dr robert brockman brockman robert how are you robert rockman that's that's great i'm doing good chris i'm doing good mate it's good to see you again as the uh, tan came off you from your your trip to bali we 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 had a recent um trip to bali for the uh, schema therapy retreat i'm still rocking the tan this is my winter tan yeah yep We've got um, a, a lovely guest today oh. here with us, um, Offer Mora, who is a clinical psychologist uh, and the founding director of the New Wave in Psychotherapy program at Reichman University in Israel. As also the co-founder and co-director of the Israeli Institute for Schema Therapy. He's the former chairperson of the Israeli Forum for Relational Psychoanalysis and Psychotherapy and the founding director of the Gay Friendly Therapist Team, which was founded in 2001 the first LGBTQ-friendly psychotherapy institute in Israel. Uh, now based out of Portugal, he offers individual couples and group uh, schema therapy. Uh, welcome, Offer. Welcome. Th- thank you. Thank you very much, guys. It's, it's really a pleasure and honor to be here with you. I wish I had an intro like that. That's a very, very... We uh, need to work on our intro. This on is that. very professional. Very professional, <laughs> very Yeah. Right. Thank you. So, so uh, I thought it might be nice just to start by trying to figure out um, how, if we know each other in different ways, um, maybe I think Chris and yourself have been around a little longer and um, maybe met at a previous conference or something. I know where I, I met you before, Offer. You probably don't remember me, but do you guys know each other already? Yeah, I think, I, I yeah. We've met a few, I mean, we've met times before at conferences, but I can't pinpoint it. It might have been when we went to, did you go to, the? well, you're in Portugal now, but maybe possibly Portugal mm. or New York or something, or like, was it back I, in the... I, Ten fifteen years ago, could it be the Berlin conference? Mm, That wasn't there. there Although you know what, you know what it is. I think it was um, the group um, schema therapy training. Was that it? Oh right, in London. In London, yeah. So that was yeah, that was it. Exactly. So that's your um, that's your core Chris Hayes memory. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a a London group schema therapy memory. Very good. Yeah, an amazing training, by the way. Yeah. Well, it was a little bit later. I remember meeting yourself and Eshko uh, Raffaele. I think it was 2016 in Vienna. And you guys mm-hmm. uh, were running a few different things. But one of them was a, I don't know what you, I can't remember what you called it, but it was it was basically a sexual dysfunction schema workshop. Um, right. And I remember, it's a little while ago now. So 2016 was coming on seven years ago. I was a little bit blown away at the time. I thought it was really great ideas. That was presented. Uh, so I always w- was hoping to catch up with you, or maybe to maybe you'd have a training down the track, or things were evolving. So um, yeah, and we were talking to Liz Lacey a little while ago, and she's in the same boat. We're big fans of that work. So um, yeah, we always hope to catch up with you. Offer. Um, thank you. Yeah, happy so, to be here, and thank you for the kind words. Beautiful. And well, Chris, do you want to kick off? Yeah, well, you know, um, what was the pathway? So maybe, maybe before we even go there, um, actually, let's edit this because I'm not too sure. I thought it was you who was going to. You know what? <laughs> I just, I just screwed up. So I'll, we'll just so, edit this. I'll come in with a question. 
Okay. Well, Arthur, uh, why don't we just sort of start with um, a really basic question about your your pathway in starting to take the schema model into into the sexual schema kind of realm? You know, how did you get into that? Well, you know, I, I think thank you for this question. I think it's it's never just research. You know, it's always me search, and um, and and I guess my my me search or one of the points in my me search were uh, with the with the founding of the LGBTQ uh, friendly therapists team, where some you know ideas and, and thinking about uh, helping people with 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 diverse sexualities and sexual issues, you know, like like a lot of thinking has been done there with with that group, and um, as that's like that was like early to like two thousand one two thousand two. And um, and as I got in to, to know the the schema therapy model, which was like at 2007, 2008, you know, like the, the ideas started sort of combining, integrating in my mind because it like the model sort of took me completely with tons with, with lots of enthusiasm and it, it had such a such an amazing impact on my work. And since I was working a lot with LGBTQ clients, and and some of them, you know, not, not so few, brought sexual issues, gender issues, uh, to the work, um, the application sort of became inevitable, and the integration became inevitable, and so 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 a lot of learning sort of came up from working and trying to help people with whom I was already working in schema therapy, you know, like resolve their issues. Yeah. yeah. So this is what we see a lot, right, in schema. That um, many of us we we ran off to the conference and we're very enthusiastic and we're like, wow, this is amazing. And then we take it back to our treatment context, and then we're thinking, wow, you know, how do I apply this with these guys and 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 that kind of thing. And and so that was your story. I mean, you were already uh, plugging away at the coalface, trying to help folks with uh, a range of uh, sexuality and sexual based problems. And um, yeah, it got you thinking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, you know, like so, do you have a model? Like some... Is there a model, or you 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 were sort of alluding that it wasn't really a model before when we were speaking before um, the, the commencement mm -hmm. of the recording? Where would you yeah. describe it? You know, can you give us a bit of an idea for for our listeners? What's the um, how can we f integrate skin therapy into your practice for these sorts of you know situations? Sure, sure, sure. And you know, I, I think like it, it will be uh, more accurate and a little more humble to say that it's it's not a model. It's like it's like a bunch of ideas. Okay, it's like we have. I, I think together with my my colleague Professor Shkol Rafaeli, with whom I co-founded and and I'm co-leading the the Israeli Institute for Schema Therapy, and also uh, I have to you know like some like some good people who sort of helped us and and, and supported me in uh, in, in, in sort of uh, creating some of these ideas putting them together i want to mention uh nicole mangtel from from australia uh wendy bihari with whom i trained and supervised like so many people contributed like great ideas so basically you know what what we're what we're saying is that what we're suggesting is that we could sort of approach sexual difficulties and and look at them both from schema using a schema lens and using the mode lens. And I want to start 
by 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 alluding to the to this like well, what do we get uh, by looking at sexual difficulties through the schema lens okay and and what what we what, what we conceptualize is that probably we could sort of divide the dynamics that that are at the at the core of sexual issues into three groups one we turn we we sort of named it uh, we we, we we gave it the, the title of the secondary dynamics okay the secondary dynamics and in in these pretty much you know the, the what we already know is the the the, core, the 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 early maladaptive schemas they are the ones that are really at the core of the sexual difficulty you know so a person for example you know like several uh, that person has several uh, unmet uh, core needs in their childhood leading to development of early maladaptive schemas and these schemas in turn they sort of they, you know they exert influence on various areas in that person's life one of which can be the sexual realm okay so the core issue is a schema that then for example let's let, for, for example let's take a, a, a um, let's say mistrust abuse okay or defectiveness shame maybe even more prevalent right so so if a person carries a lot of a sense of deep defectiveness regarding their sexuality you know about themselves right that may well manifest in many areas one of which is sexuality so in that in that area there could be a lot mm -hmm. of shame around having mm -hmm. sexual desire about expressing one's sexual needs and yeah. so on and so forth so you see so this is the kind of that, that that's the first group okay yeah the second one we 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 we, we termed uh primary dynamics and and here there's another there's a step forward uh, we, we think and 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 that step is that um we started hypothesizing that there might be some a core emotional needs that were not yet sort of fully explored or or specified in the original model needs that are not general emotional needs there are needs that are, are related to sort of the the budding the nascent sexual self yeah and and when these specific core needs emotional needs are not uh, appropriately met or not met at all um that could lead directly to issues in sexuality and uh you know like before like in the in the in the in the first in the first group we, I, I i sort of said like the like the, the the schema could have influence on other areas other not just on sexuality in the second group it's the same sexual uh, needs that aren't aren't uh, met that are directly related to sexuality might also have influence on other areas, not only, yep. you know, yep. not only the sexual yep. realm. Yep. That's the second. So, so the guy that um, struggles with a sexual schema to do with, uh, let's say, a defective sexuality, mm -hmm. my sexual self is defective or something, or my sexual, you know, does that make sense? This might yes, spill yes, over into other areas of confidence. It might start to affect my relationships, or is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Even like the like the 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 the, the sense of like how 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 good am I at my job, or yeah. you know other things, right? But at the core, 
sometimes it's the it's the the, the core unmet uh, uh, sexuality related needs. So yeah. can I ask you something as a little segue? Because this is a really important point, and this is something I've been thinking about since 2016, but I had no answer. So, so uh, I guess you're kind of saying that we we actually have uh, sexual needs, se- developmental sexual needs. This this is at the heart of the idea. Yeah, can we say yes. more about it? Of course, thank you. And it's a, it's a great question, right? Because and because it, it, I mean, for some, like the the the, the idea that children might have sexuality related needs feels uncomfortable Absolutely. right because yeah. you know we used to thinking we were used to thinking about of children you know as sort of innocent and 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 you sure. know like they're like yeah. and we're only thinking about adolescence yeah. as just starting to get into their sexual re- which is true right and so i, I I'm, I'm particularly glad about this question because it it sort of allows us to sort of differentiate between like adult sexuality and more of a nascent self, you know, like sexuality in the way that it, it manifests itself in, in, in younger ages, you know, earlier yeah. in the developmental path. Yeah. And I guess, you know, like we, we could ask the same question as like, so what are these really nascent self sexuality related yes. needs? Like, what are we talking about here? So I want to propose a very preliminary list, right? And I want to invite, you know, uh, each one to think maybe, you know, like, what could be added but for example you know uh one need we we thought of was the need to 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 get validation for the child's sexual feelings as natural and uh, legitimate mm-hmm. okay including the legitimizing of desiring and of uh, sexual curiosity okay kids mm-hmm. you know they like to play like doctor and patient Right, they, they they explore. They get to know their bodies. They get to know their 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 friends' bodies. Like it's a process, right? And there's a lot of curiosity and excitement. That and, and at the core, it's not the the wish to 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 have a sexual encounter per se, but it's still very much related to sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, like a, another need. Is the, the to, to receive admiring mirroring to the body, to one's physical attractiveness. You know, like something that sort of gets the child to to become a, a, later on an adult that can feel desirable. Mm-hmm. Right, that sense of desire. So there's a slight mapping onto like the original schemas, but right, but with a kind of um, sexual uh, connotation. Right, because yeah. the first one is like a bit like emotional inhibition versus emotional expression. Uh, in this case, mm-hmm. it would be sexual in- inhibition or sexual, you know, sexuality inhibition versus sexual expression. That it's normal and valid to 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 have a sexuality. Yes, 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 yes. It's it's true, right? It's it's you, you, we can sort of connect it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's very specific because yeah. because sometimes and 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 we sort of. It's it's actually you know what you're pointing out. It's something we we really sort of grappled with, but we we still wanted to say that it's that we need to think about it in a distinct way because yeah. unless we really l- try to listen for that and look for that, it can so easily get lost yeah. within the general in a global idea. Yeah. Also, yeah. Also, it makes yeah. me think. Um, it makes me think a little bit about the idea that it's not like a switch, like um. 
when you, you develop your sexuality, you know, it's not like just suddenly a switch goes off inside of you mm. and suddenly I've got it. It's fully flipped. When you turn 18, when you yeah, turn 18. when you turn 18, suddenly it's, it's <laughs> Now it's, it's 12, there. actually, you know, we turn like, you know, yeah. the age. Uh, sort social of, media. Know, as, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think this is helpful to consider it that way in terms of it's, you know, would you say there's a, a critical time, like in terms from, in terms of these needs, sort of, you know, sort of, or is it you know, sort of a, you know, how would you describe it? Well, you know, like in our in our profession's history, right? People try to sort of pinpoint sort of like moments in which sexuality becomes more sort of important or like a heightened. Um, I, I don't want to mention, you know, the, the idea of of Oedipal longings, okay, or Oedipal dynamics. And I don't know if like like maybe some of, of our listeners are are coming from dynamic or psychoanalytic backgrounds. For for people coming from these backgrounds, you know, the idea that children have longings and that are again, they're not seeking sort of, you know, sexual relations, but they're still have longing and, and sometimes erotically tinged uh physical interest or bodily sensations. Or, yeah, to 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 a parent. Right or both parents, right? The, the, these ideas are not foreign, and these can appear. You know, like we can see them even as young as three, and four, and five, and six. Okay, the, the they're there, and I, I, like just to give it a, a, like an example, it's not from my own practice, but it's from 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 a, a therapist um, called a, a Jonathan Slavin. In one of his papers, he he describes a client who sort of a woman that that, is, that described um, sort of reading a, a, a story to her six-year-old boy before before he's going to bed, and, and as he's as she's reading, suddenly the boy puts his hand on the book to say like to, to signal mommy stop, and then she looks she she describes she, she looks up at him and he looks in her in the eye and tells her mommy you're beautiful and what she describes is that she she melted right then and there right she melted completely and 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 so so this beautiful moment of love and connection you know if we won't sort of acknowledge the fact that there just might be you know like a, an oedipal or an erotic element there i think we would be missing something real and i think some of us who are parents and have that kind of interaction with our kids you know we know what what, what we're talking about right it's there and it's a question like what do we do about it when it's there do we embrace it do we do we sort of rejoice in it do we or you know, or, or we just sort of pull away, or we say it's bad. You know, there are all kinds of ways parents parents respond to these kinds of uh, mm. communications. Okay? So that's mm. the focus we want, we want to put. Yeah, yeah. So, so there are two. So you mentioned two needs. One is a sort of need for sexual expression and validation. The second one is more like a sexual self-esteem yeah mirroring uh, to, to be mirrored admiringly mirrored right yeah and yeah. a sort of uh, almost like a well you're thinking if this was going wrong it'd be, almost be like a sexual defectiveness that i'm not a sort of uh, you know uh, desired good enough sexual right. person yeah 
Right, right, right. And uh, here again, you know, I can give a, a clinical example. Again, I'm going to I'm going to quote an example, a, a vignette from Jody Messler Davis's uh, paper titled Love in the Afternoon, where a guy remembers in his therapy, you know, feelings like as an adult feeling so uh, like 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 a sexual cripple, like like a, like a crippled adult in that in that realm, romantically and sexually crippled. He remembered one one time when he's sort of reading her. His mom used to read him stories, bedtime stories, and and about about sort of King Arthur, Lady Guinevere, and so on and so forth. And he would get so excited, and he would sort of hug her and 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 and, and get so close. And sometimes when th- when that sort of closeness became like very intense, he remembered he remembered like his mom sort of pulling away from him like pushing him off and looking at him with 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 tremendous disgust and 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 like like he was some sort of a monster and he remembers feeling so belittled and so ashamed mortified like he's done something that's so wrong right and 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 that so they sort of figured that was at the core of his shame and his sense Mm -hmm. of of deep defectiveness Mm -hmm. this this very very uh strong rejection of his excitement and 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 interest right by his by his mom now one could say so what as a parent you know what should a parent do if like you know something about the child's excitement or you know becomes like a little too like too much even for the parent to Mm -hmm. sort of feel comfortable about then you know I, I would say you know just putting a boundary you know in a respectful mm-hmm. and loving and kind way mm-hmm. would probably signal that there's a boundary there right there's a boundary that we're we're not crossing ever not as yep. parents and not as and not as, as as clinicians but at the same time that does not preclude us feeling good about ourselves and having a close warm and exciting connection yeah yeah right yeah, and I imagine like a little like a little boy having an erection or something, you know, and not being shamed for this, you know, sort of thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I imagine yeah. offer that this leads because we've only talked about two needs. We'll get to we have to get to the other two. Uh, <laughs> but I imagine this le- lends itself nicely to something like imagery work, like some rescripting or something like this. Oh, for sure. Um, and and you know what I, I have I actually I have a great example for that. Uh, but let's wait a little bit for that if that's okay with you because mm-hmm. I, I think it will we, we, we should probably discuss the the, the mode yeah. lens. Well, tell us then, it. Do, then, do we want to find the two the last two modes? Can we give the us the last two? Okay. Yeah. So so the needs. You know. Okay. So so another and just to say you know it's an incomplete list. So let's not just sort of you know yeah. canonize it. it. We we and we need to sort of open it up and add some so so another need is really the need to have uh to 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 receive accurate knowledge regarding sexuality you know like stories about the storks and the bees and like all Ah, you know like we need we need to get information you know some some kids grow up in such ignorance about their about sexuality about their own bodies right so we just so this to me maps on i don't know if you thought of this because your this model kind of or pre-model precedes this, but in in the later schema model with Anud and uh, uh, the international work group, they talk about the need for coherence for a coherent self and a coherent world. 
So this maps a little bit onto that, like to, that, that that sexuality and my sexual self makes some sense in the world. Yes, I agree 100%, right? It makes sense and it connects, right? It's part of a whole and that's the coherent part. You know, it's not something that is sort of split off, cut off and just, you know, and, and, and should be discussed or 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 even thought of only in specific contexts you know it's part of me it's part of who we are and so accepting it as a natural normal part of ourselves you know is really important yeah and, and, and yeah. sadly we see in our offices so many people it, some of them may have grown in more traditional environments or more religious environments where you know in in for in some instances you know like the sexuality is seen as something that is sort of sinful or bad or dirty or you know all some some of these ideas and so it's very hard for the mm -hmm. for the child to sort of integrate that mm -hmm. into their coherent sense of self right because so, so this starts to lead to identity type issues right right yeah. right yeah. yeah and we're going to talk about it more as we talk about modes right because it tends to Perfect. sort of like take on the life you want you want to go there don't you you want to go to the yeah, oh, for sure excited. i mean who, does, who doesn't want to talk about yeah. modes right come on give Especially us give like us need number group. four <laughs> okay number four um has to do with um you know with the boundaries and observation with the need to observe and and receive modeling of appropriate sexual boundaries you know, so many times we hear about clients growing up in environments that are so overly uh, sexualized, overly seductive, overly, you know, like boundaryless in these mm -hmm. terms. You know, so many times I've heard clients that like overhearing their parents who never bothered closing the door you know, or 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 girls who 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 just witnessed who were, were sort of privy to conversations they should never have been privy to right uh, so so that kind of exposure let alone you know like i mean i'm not to say you know in cases of real sort of boundary violation you know like like abuse right and, and abuse yeah uh, the direct abuse that sexual abuse i'm not that's that's actually a third category right like in the beginning i said like there's the, the secondary dynamics the primary dynamics the third one has to do with with sexual you know sexual uh abuse sexual um safety um yeah yeah so 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 that's a whole different dynamic right uh, that 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 we treat in a different and particular way in schema therapy so so, so um, tell us more about these modes tell, speak of these modes that you have mentioned okay <laughs> okay so so let's so, so let's go there right and um and and, and so uh, our ideas there, I, I, I think a good place to start would be by asking ourselves, like, how do modes get created? Like this multiple self thing we're all in schema therapy, we're so aware of, we're so, you know, we, we, we work with the multiplicity of, of selves, of self states, self parts, modes, right? We work with that constantly, but I, I think that it's seldom that we stop and really ask ourselves like how this, this phenomena how did it get created and and i i think it would be good to sort of take a step back and 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 acknowledge the fact that um you know human beings are are, are not born um sort of in, well integrated we're not born integrated ourselves you know we're, we're not born like coherent 
And actually, don't the, the like integration is a developmental achievement. Self-integration is a development achievement that I think all of us, we have modes, we have parts. And so we're all like uh, striving to some degree, we're striving towards integration, but we're never oh, quite there. I mean, I know some people, some therapists who think they're fully integrated. That's a joke, right? But uh, <laughs> I don't think we can ever really get there. Okay, we never really get there. We're on our way there. And and actually, you know, a better a better integrated self is the result of an environment that facilitates that helps the child gain more and more integration, more and more coherence in their sense of self. Okay, so how does that relate to to uh, how how is that relating to to sexuality and gender issues? I think that in the developmental process as experiences get uh, sort of organized and, and, and hopefully integrated, right? Better, more and more integrated, uh, sexuality and gender um, and gender feelings and gender expressions start getting sort of organized and become a, become a part of specific modes of specific self-states. Um, maybe a, a, a good way to, 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 to say it is that a, it's like s- specific self-states or specific modes along the developmental path, they tend to sort of get uh, connected with or become a part of a sexual dynamic or a sexual or specific sexual orientation or a specific gender feeling so that a, as a result of this process, we can see in, in, in many of our clients, in, in ourselves as well, we can see that different parts or different modes tend to uh, to sort of have specific sexual appetites that are different than the ones that are that are there in a different mode. Mm-hmm. Specific modes may have a, a sexual orientation that is different than the one of a different mode. Mm-hmm. And some in some people, there one uh, mode can have a gender identity or a gender feeling that is different than the one that in that exists in another mode in the same person. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example? Like I I, th- I know many. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How much sure, time do we have? Sure. I've got some ideas of how you're 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 sort of describing it, but I'm not like to hear. Sure, sure, sure. So, for for example, okay, let, let's take let, let's take the, the idea of, uh, of 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 sexual passion or sexual appetite. Okay, so uh, let's think of a of a girl who grows up and and feels sort of you know very connected to her dad, and you know like the relationship's great and everything's fine. But the second she hits puberty, something changes in the relationship. And the dad, given his specific history we won't get into, um, becomes acutely anxious about his daughter's budding sexuality, Mm -hmm. leading to him to completely withdraw from any sort of, you know, uh, physical closeness, you know, maybe some any closeness at all 
And that girl, uh, and I've seen it so many times in so many times in, in, in my office. Yeah. The girl grows up um feeling like there's something sort of bad about her sexuality. Because what happened, right, the developmental experience was that as that sort of was starting to emerge, she lost her dad, right, mm -hmm. and became and, and made, was made to feel like there's something bad about her, you know, being a sexual being, right? Yeah. So, 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 um, I, I want to suggest, so, so, so what do we see, like, what do we see in, in the clinical presentation? Uh, and I'm thinking about a, a specific client, you know, who gave permission to share, you know, without disclosing the, the, the you know, the name or the specifics, right? Mm -hmm. But a client that allowed to share the the the, the, the dynamic. Um, so in her in her adult life, she had uh, a mode in which she was sort of loving and caring, like you know, a very loving and caring partner. But in that mode, she wasn't able, you know, when with a with a steady partner, you know, she was not able to feel any sexual attraction at all. Whereas in a different mode, in a different self-state, she was very sort of sexually uh, uh, interested, very sexually permissive, very sexually active, but that could happen only with men who are not her partner, who are, you know, like there were just sort of flings and not. What, what a, a would you committed. call that mode? For, as, for an, as an example, what would you call that other mode in cases like this? Well, well, you know, with her, like, like we, I always try, I always try to to work with the to, with the client to find the name right to, yeah. to find a name that would yeah. encapsulate that person's experience in the mode right and not just mm. use the generic sure, uh, sure. term so for so for her you know uh so she 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 used the the, the terms mild and wild okay so she had the mild self that mm. was like the you know the wife and the partner, you know, like all the, yeah. the, 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 the normal stuff, like using her own words. And she had the wild side. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And yeah. so, 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 so you can see how. So, was some and, kind and, of overcompensator, like some form of, uh, hmm, it's, you know, connection seeking or something like that? It's so, so, so it's a question, right? I mean, per personally, I mean, I, 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 I really didn't see the the wild side as a coping mode mm -hmm. i did not see it as such because mm -hmm. what i thought that is that she actually in that mode she allows herself to express something that is normal that is there that is like it's a need and and it's and it's okay you know to express mm -hmm. it uh, the thing was that she really wanted to have these feelings also with her partner, mm. with whom. I mean, somehow it seems, yeah, it's hard to say what it is. It almost seems a bit detached as well because it's very protective, no? So, so he, again, you know, we we might think of it as 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 a defensive sort of psychological maneuver. We might think of it yeah. as coping, but I think that's that. 
that that if I was to work with her in such a way, that would signif- signal yet again that will sort of re yeah. reinforce the original trauma because that would sort of label what's there is sort of inappropriate and bad yeah yeah when so you'd like to talk about it as a sort of yes. expression uh which has been maybe separated or um cordoned exactly. off yeah exactly exactly and so and so our goal is really yeah. to 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 bring about more integration between yeah. these two parts both good both are you know really from the open. outside completely i don't know the case only five minutes what you told me but yes. from the outside yeah. it's really tempting to think about like it makes sense in the sense that uh to be sexually close to your attachments is very risky exactly to and express it exactly. in that in that context is dangerous because you may get abandoned exactly uh, so and she decides to, yeah. to separate these things and put a wall and um we do it over here or we do it over here but we don't bring it together yeah right 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 and the 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 thing is that you know like freud himself back in the 1920s i'm not i'm I'm not sure what what here he wrote a a a very short paper called on the universal tendency to debasement in the sphere of love where he describes the the madonna whore complex where some people have this sort of you know dissociation split between like the loving part and the sexual part and it's exactly what we see today in our offices Mm -hmm. like back in the time he was just working with the the concept of you know so we need to sort of analyze and sort of bring things into consciousness but what we do in schema therapy when we see these parts you know in the, the way we work with it is really we try to bring about integration using all the strategies, yeah. all the beautiful strategies our model yeah. has to offer. Okay, so for example, you know, maybe I'll jump into the, the 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 clinical example I was talking about before. So so that example that that vignette, and again, it's it's a different client who also gave permission to 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 present um, the, this material. Um, so in that in that case, it was. Uh, it was a gay man, like a 34-year-old gay man, executive, you know, like working at a, at a, at a high-level job. And he was uh, he was married, with living with, with another man. And, and again, you know, the issue was really that of lack of integration between love and sexuality. And, and so, so going deeper into, um, into uh, Oh, what, what what was going on in his past? You know, trying to explore what were the, what were the needs, what were the developmental traumas. Um, he he sort of remembered instances and didn't come up right in right from the beginning. You know, it like it was it, it took some time for those memories to emerge. He remembered his dad being um, like around like six or seven. He remembered his dad being extremely humiliating towards him like like calling him like a a, a, you know, a faggot a wuss you know, like sissy like really using derogatory language at times when he you know like like he he wore something that wasn't uh, to his dad's liking or he said something or behaved in a way uh, he, he remembered a, a moment where he sort of came into the living room and the the, the parents had friends over and and as a kid, he sort of comes into the, the living room to say something. And as he walks away, he overhears he remembers of he overhearing his dad uh, saying something about him being so sissy, right? So he so these these memories of deep 
like that 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 are of situations in which a lot of shame, right? A lot of shame is being elicited in him was were remembered. And so I invited and 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 also connected to a deep sense of shame about his sexuality. And so and and, and something that 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 was at, at the core of his inability to uh, to really be sexual with his long-term partner. So so what I invite what I invited him to do was to sort of try a, in imagery get into those feelings that start emerging as he's just thinking about becoming intimate going and becoming intimate with his partner. Okay so I'm looking for the current day situation in which the problematic the painful emotions are emerging and we go there and he starts you know imagining you know like trying to be closer or his partner approaching him and trying to be sexual with him and he starts having these feelings and then as he, these feelings are there i ask him to sort of heighten that and try to create an affect bridge to a past situation in which a any of the, these emotions, feelings are present. You're okay. going from the feelings so, of sexual excitement in the body. Just yeah, to clarify. sexual excitement and the accompanying problematic emotions yeah. of shame. Okay, so both of those things. So you're tuning yeah. into this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and mostly the shame. You know, the sexuality mm. is really the arena where mm. the shame is being elicited. Ah, so, so I'm asking triggers. to remember. Yeah. yeah, so going to... Being to, sexually to, to close. A, yeah, like starting to be sexual, and then whoop! Right as we expected, you know, the shame emerged, and mm -hmm. so and so we focus on the shame, and then we take and we we're looking for an affect bridge, and we're hoping to land somewhere in the past in a, in a, in, a, in an emotionally relevant, uh, tra emotionally traumatogenic uh, situation. And indeed, you know, without fail, as as many, 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 you know, in many cases, that, that that's what's happening, right? We're landing on a situation in which his dad is humiliating him, and what we're doing there, what we're inviting to do, I'm asking his permission to speak with his dad directly. Mm -hmm. And my approach with with many times working with internalized parents, I'm you know, I I, I treat them I treat them with a lot of respect. With this guy, it was extremely difficult because as the client was sort of giving words, expressing his dad, this was one you're big homophobe. You were digging deep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's sort of, yeah, it's triggering your stuff as well. Mm, oh, perhaps. my gosh. Like, yeah. this was really hard. It was mm. a really nasty. You really didn't like this critic. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my gosh. It was really hard. But... Without, you know, without fail, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I, I work with him and I, I, and I tell him, you know, I can hear you're very, very angry. You're very aggressive. Something must be bothering you, right? Yeah, you faggots, blah, blah, blah. What are you doing here? Why am I talking to you? Right, all that. And then as he calms down, what we're getting to is that this dad is really anxious about his kid. Because they're 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 living in a pretty homophobic, you know, kind of old-fashioned environment mm -hmm. with all old, old-fashioned kind of people mm -hmm. all around them. That's also that the dad's you know background is exactly mm -hmm. from there, mm -hmm. and so he, this dad is extremely worried about you know, what's going to happen to his kid. You know, 
you know, mm-hmm. the other other kids are going to bully him. You know, Judge he's him. going to be an outcast. Mm-hmm. So it comes so, from a place in a weird way where he's yeah. concerned for the kid. He wants to he wants to protect him. Right. And you know what? That kid never, never had an idea that that was the case. Mm. He never thought that his dad was so hateful and so, you know, so humiliating, actually cared about him. That was a completely novel idea for that kid, right? But you only arrived at that because you had some kind of compassion for the critic. Yeah, that was the way. Some attunement to the critic. Yes. Yeah, a lot of empathy, empathy yeah. for the critic, right? Empathy, you know, I'm not accepting what he's saying or what sure, he's doing. Sure. And the behavior. True, yeah. right? I'm not accepting the behavior, but I understand there must be something there and I'm exploring, you know, yeah. to the core. Mm-hmm. And so, but the point, the dad, so I'm asking the dad, look in his son's eyes in imagery and yeah. tell him, you know, that what he's doing is because he's just trying to protect him yeah. and that he now sees how hurtful it is. At that point, everybody's crying, right? Was this transforming like, things for the client? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! I mean, you know, coming out I mean, yeah. first, you know, the, my the dad never hated that, me at all. He was trying to protect me, you know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like you know, just the sense yeah. of of relief, you know, the sense yeah. of my gosh, you know, I, 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 I and 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 the, the surprise, right? Because he said, "I never thought of it." I mean, of course, you know, I was, I was yeah. giving that voice. And something in me knew this, but I never really knew yeah. this before. Well, the, the child perspective, you just hear your dad screaming and all those things, right? That's the child exactly. perspective. You know, exactly. Alfred, this really maps onto some work Chris and I have been looking at where just thinking about different ways to approach the critic, and it really maps onto the yeah. fact that this idea that maybe we don't have to kick it out all the time or to be so harsh on the critic and to try to understand potential functions. Yes. Yes, yes. So I, I wanna I wanna point out some 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 resources, right? Because there's a there's a paper Eshkol Raffaele and myself we wrote about working with modes in schema therapy that was published in, uh, I guess it's like uh, working with emotion in CBT. We oh. wrote a chapter on working with schema therapy, you know, that was published. I in remember that. that. I remember the book. Yeah. Yeah, with by by Dr. Nate Toma and yeah. and and, mm-hmm. and and other editors. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there are some of these ideas are are there, and also you know another place where we're talking about these things and working them through together in our community is the special interest group about sexuality and gender, uh, a, a group that was created by Eshkol and myself, and now uh, Nicole Manctello and myself were leading that group and people, you know, international schema therapists from uh, from all over there that we're meeting and talking about these things. So people who are interested, they're welcome to join us. That's great. That's great. There's two little threads for me. I need to just, I think we have to bring it together before we finish. One is you've, we're really clear about this idea that parts are not always like coping modes or something, but sometimes parts might be there because they might be holding or expressing certain needs or urges. So the the part, the, the genesis of the part may not have a coping function, but some other either um, expressive function or maybe holding function or something like this. Is that fair to say? Yes, yes. 
one hundred percent. And yeah. think about it, like like you know, generally, like like we have even in our adult sort of healthy or benevolent. I prefer benevolent adult to healthy adult, to be honest. You know, because I think that you know, speaking yeah. health and pathology sort of you know, yeah, like yeah. it causes issues. So benevolent, <laughs> the benevolent adult modes. We have we're not the same when we're in the benevolent adult mode at work. Whereas we're with our partner or with our, you know, it's like yeah. there are slight differences. So maybe we want to talk, we can think about it this way. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is um, I had to ask you, what's what's the healthy sexual mode? You know, healthy, playful sex, sexual state. I mean, is it a healthy adult? Is Should it have its own mode? So um, I... I, I Thinking about it through the multiplicity lens, I think we may have various uh, sexual modes or modes that sexuality is part of them, okay? And some may be seen as healthy or benevolent adult modes. Some may be part of it, may appear as part of a coping mode. For example, we know like with sexual, you, you mentioned Liz Lacey and her important, important work um so sometimes right sexuality can be part of a sexual like detached hmm. self-soother mode right yeah so so it's really it's it could it's so be, interesting it, yeah it's almost like yeah. you know with each of the modes you can get like cognitions you know um feelings behaviors and all these things you could almost have another little bit which is like the sexuality piece like so and, gender. and gender and gender right gender. Yeah, and, yeah 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 just to kind of nuance it out, and each mode might hold something slightly differently. The last thing I have to ask you, just to clarify, because uh, otherwise I'll be, we, it'll be something we missed. Once you move to to the needs aren't met, and I understand this in your model, um, it then moves to um, coping, and and the idea it maps onto sexuality and uh, either hypo or hypersexuality or problems. Do you know? Can you say a few things about that? The way that. Uh, avoidance overcompensation might be mapping on so in other words if the schema develops people have cope with this and it has implications for sexuality so um i mean he here's the thing yes i mean first of all yes definitely you know just as you know just as people cope with pain that is related to uh other needs that are not being met, you know, people with specific sort of nascent self-sexuality needs that weren't met, they also cope, okay, in all in all in, in various ways. And the work that we do, we try to sort of map out and understand what are these coping uh strategies or the or modes or, or you know ways that, that were that were created. And basically, you know, in our work, we're trying to to meet some of those, or just as we do with other unmet needs, as our role, as as those who are doing reparenting, that's something that we do. And it's a tricky, tricky, tricky thing, right? How do one meet early, nascent self sexuality related needs when you have an adult in your office, right? And and we're trying to sort of meet some of those needs. It's not an easy thing, you know. Like, like one example I gave today, you know, in the work with my with my male client, but um, but uh, another element is the relational aspect. You know, the reparenting that happens in the therapeutic relationship that also pertains 
to sexuality and gender. But that I think that's a, it's a whole new conversation. Yeah. yeah. Offer, I feel like honestly, I think we could we could do five podcasts uh, and go into different aspects. So um, yeah, Thank maybe you. we can just put it out there now. I'm sure we'll get you back on Offer yeah. down the track, and we just keep this talk Thank going you. about just schema geeking and talking about sexuality things and limited and reparenting and. Yeah, right, right. And limited reparenting when you're doing it. sexuality issues. Like, what does this look like? Yes. Gee, you know, so maybe down the track, that'd be cool to get back on. And yeah, so Alpha, we just want to give you a massive thank you. And um, it was really lovely to, to to meet you, you know, face-to-face finally. Thanks, um, such a Such a warm and knowledgeable man. And uh, thanks for sharing, sharing with us today. Yay. Thank you. Thank you and so much, definitely. guys. I mean, it's been lovely to be here. Thank you for the great questions, for the opportunity, for what you're doing for our community. This podcast, you know, is is, is bringing so much knowledge to so many clinicians, and I know that it's such a huge impact. So thank you so much, really. Thanks, Offer. And if anyone wants to contact you about some of these things or perhaps get involved in the ISST subgroup, um, how do they contact you? Um, let's just put the email out there. Okay. That's okay. a great way. Also on the Perfect. website, on the, on the ICT website, there is the, the, the section Perfect. of the special interest groups and sexuality and gender is just there. What Perfect. we can do, we, we can put it in the show notes. In so the show notes, so. there'll be a web, uh, an email great. address yeah. so people can reach out. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks again, Offer. Thanks again, Offer. See you, mate. Thank you. Later. Thank you, guys. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. Offer and sexuality. It, re- it reminds me, Rob, actually, a while ago, I think you mentioned when you were doing your training that one of your supervisors or someone said it's a good assessment question, an essential assessment question. Oh, yeah. To ask the sexuality, the, the, you know, the sex life of the client. And, mm. you know, I, I think it's, you love this, this uh, edgy stuff. How, what, what do you notice? I mean, a little bit. I, I, I did learn that from, from an old colleague, like just mm. asking about the, um, yeah, the, the sort of sexual world of our clients and whether, yeah that side of their life's been shut down or, mm. you know, those kind of things can often illuminate a lot of things. Great talk. Um, he's such an interesting man. Wow. Yeah. And just very excited. I really like that energy. So, well, yeah. What I thought was kind of cool, and I think, you know, at first I was like, hmm, okay, this is interesting, um, you know, in terms of talking about child sexual needs. I, I think probably for my, I don't know if it's, it's, a, it's a, a way I'm sort of configuring, it's probably more sexuality needs. And I do yeah. think that idea that you know um, that it doesn't just switch on. You know, you you have to sort of sort of guide you know the child in, in developing that, and, and, and probably yeah. some of the things that are happening are implicit. You know, in terms of um, you know there are things that you know piggyback back onto sort of good caregiving anyway. You know, validation. Yeah, things like limits and limits you know and validation and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it's just more nuanced. I mean, there's a number of threads I would have loved to ask him, like, but we're just running out of time. Um, things like, well, uh, uh, paraphilias, mm, mm, you know, yeah. uh, whether he whether he has a sort of conceptualization of that based on some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, other topics such as um, S&M, things like so, S&M yeah, yeah. paraphilias, um, paedophilia. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. whether whether there's implications there f- for this stuff as well. Yeah. You know how things like that form. Yeah. Um, anything else that you would have followed up on? 
No, I think that you know it's just an interesting, yeah, interesting topic where I guess most of us don't really sort of delve into, but it's a part of our world. So like I like great, this idea that certain parts can just kind of hold that need and just so it's mm-hmm. sort of not as much that the part is a coping mode, but more that the dissociation is being created to hold certain needs. Yeah, and I guess Dave Edwards and people like that would talk about that as a sort of like a child coping mode. I don't know whether that creeps yeah. into it. Or, or infant you know, mode. Yeah, infant, child, infant, infant coping mode and things like that. But, yeah. Well, look, the other, there you go. Yeah, the other I thing think- is um, the whole psychoanalysis piece. Like he's clearly, you know, come from that maybe background. I'm making a little assumption, but or, or that's a big part of his practice. Yeah. And I always I always think people are, are very interesting, partly because mm. I don't know a lot about it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like I, I would love to sit and talk again for, you know, an hour, even about those aspects. Like how does he bring that into a schema lens and what can that sort of lens do for schema therapists? Yeah. 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 Well, All right, mate. Until next time. See you guys around. Cool. Uh, stop.